0: Um, I almost died choking because my tonsils were touching. And so I was one of like the rare, like I think it was one in ten thousand people that choked based on tonsils. Like I went to the doctor, and the doctor's like, "I'll be honest with you." He's like, "The reason that you're still alive is because your lung capacity and your heart capacity." He's like, "You can handle a lot less oxygen longer than a normal human being."
1: This is Sean Ireton with the New Inspiration Extraordinary Gentleman podcast. And today on the show, I've got an old friend of mine, a very special guest. His name is Justin Peyret, P-E-Y-R-E-T. And before we jump into this man's introduction, is that there's going to be a special surprise at the very end of this episode. So make sure you stay tuned for that. Uh, With that said... I want to introduce Justin here because he's, like I said, a good friend of mine. Um, He's actually originally from Auburn, California. And those who are unfamiliar, it's a town near Sacramento. It's up in the hills, up in the woods uh, a bit. uh, Beautiful area. Um, He's got one sister and then he's got a dog. And his breed is Frenchie, Lab, and Pitbull. And his dog's name is Henry. Uh, Justin is a personal trainer and entrepreneur, owner of On Point Fitness and Nutrition, which is personal training, of course, meal prep, and now supplements. So that's something very, very exciting that we're going to be talking about. Um, so thank you for being on the show, Justin. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, man. How have you been? I've been good. Life is busy. Life is busy. How about yourself? Very, very, very good. Very, very happy. Justin and I actually met in uh, Sacramento when I used to live there. We met at a networking group called B&I, which I've mentioned in previous podcast episodes. Um, but uh, B&I in Sacramento, shout out to my B&I family at the b and Sacramento Midtown. Midtown. Yep uh, to the whole crew there. Uh, Justin and I have actually trained together a few times. So I really believe in what he's doing and and how he works and everything that he does. So he's, um, he's, he's just a great guy to have on this show. And I'm really excited to talk to him about his story. He's going to be talking about that line of supplements that I just mentioned. It's actually just launched three days ago for the presale, uh, on April 2nd, 2018, mark this date. Um, it's going to be a big deal. He's got BCAs, or BCAAs, branched-chain amino acids. I'm actually going to get some of those from you, Justin. We're we're, we're going to talk about that at the end of this podcast episode. I'm going to give you my credit card number and everything. I got to cover. Yeah. yeah. And uh, he's also got a whey isolate protein powder. He's got a lean bod meal replacement. Uh, what are what are all the flavors for those different supplements?
0: Uh, for the amino acids, we went with the uh, blue raspberry and orange. The blue raspberries taste more like um, like a Laffy Taffy type, it's got like a sweeter, sweeter edge. And then we went kind of on a more like, not necessarily sour, but more like tang. So, you know, you back in the day, orange tang, right? Yep. It's, got, it's not sweet, but it doesn't have like that sour pucker face. And so it kind of gives both worlds. So people can have, if you don't like sweet, you can go orange. If you like, you know, sweeter, you go blue raspberry. Very nice. And then for the lean bot and weight isolate, we actually kept it pretty consistent. We went with the chocolate and vanilla to start out with. And then we'll elaborate some more flavors after that strawberry, maybe some cookies and cream. Well, we'll elaborate on some more flavors in probably the next six to 12 months.
1: Yeah, you better do that cookies and cream next because that's that's my shit right there. The cookies and cream, yeah. You,
0: you can make a lot of desserts with that. That's what's good about it. Ooh. When you're feeling cravings at night before bed, just put some ice, you know, some almond milk and add that protein and have a nice little shake before
1: bed. Very nice. And now, actually, this is kind of off topic here, but what's your opinion on Halo Top ice cream? Mm, that's a good one. I think for most people when it comes to Halo Top,
0: I think it's they think they're eating healthy, but if they really look at the ingredient label, is not as good as you would think. Like I personally, if I'm gonna go for ice cream, I go for the drier, slow churn, right? Really? So it has reduced calories, sugar and fat and it's about 1200 calories for a jug, right? Uh What is it like a third of a quart now? And if you look at like the ratios, the only thing you're getting difference with the Halo Top versus that is a little more protein in the Halo Top, a little more fiber. Outside of that, you're pretty much calorie for calorie. Really? If you were to break down the serving size and everything, yeah. Wow. So, Halo Top is like anything else. You got to eat it with moderation. You can't have one a night and then assume to you know lose some weight. Sugar alcohols are really bad too because it basically gives you bubble gut, right? Do mm. you want that intestinal problem where you get you know like you feel gassy, you can't fart? It kind of slows down everything, and you don't want to do that with your digestion either. So sometimes you know moderation, one a week, wouldn't be a bad thing. But if you're having one every night, you're probably not doing yourself too much justice.
1: And you're talking about a pint, right? Yeah, the Halo Top pints, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, I I felt bad for a minute there because I, I'll have like maybe a few spoonfuls of Halo Top maybe once a night or every other night. I don't eat a whole pint. Okay,
0: yeah. I know uh, most people usually like on Snapchat, Instagram and stuff like that, they're basically showing like the before and after <laughs> and they're chowing down on that whole thing without worrying about how many calories are in it, whatnot, and they'll eat the whole thing. Yeah. But not bad at eye
1: about it. So uh, just for listeners, Halo Top is very delicious ice cream, and if you're listening to Justin right now, make sure you don't eat too much of it, just like anything else. So, Um, I think moderation is key. Yeah, exactly. Um, So anyway, the last thing in this intro, Justin is going to be providing um, some insight on several things specifically for men. Uh, I'm sure a lot of this will translate well t- for women as well. So ladies, if you're going to be listening to this, you're, you're not going to be completely left out in the cold. But um, this episode is primarily focused on men's health and training. Um, so what Justin's going to be talking about is maintaining strength as you age, workout styles to maximize your body's potential and health, not just to look amazing, uh, figuring out what will be the best workout and diet options for you, uh, the best nutritional ratio for maintaining a healthy balance and supplementation, best practices, and so much more than that. So um, before we start jumping into some of these questions, Justin, let's expand on your origin story. Um, You know, I I don't necessarily want to go into a highlight reel of business successes, but you know, your personal story and how you got to where you are today. Uh, I kind of started back in high school
0: when I was going through my senior project. I always played basketball, baseball growing up in high school and stuff like that. And then my senior project, in order to get out of high school, you had to do this big research project and you had to do something that was applied to the research project. And you had to give a big presentation in front of your peers. And that was your exiting exam for high school. So I ended up doing mine on a couple supplements. I did a big research paper. That was before like internet was crazy in depth, and you can just sit at home. I would actually had to go down to like Sutter Health Hospital, go to their library, do my research there, hit up a couple more libraries, and do as much as I could. And so it was kind of an interesting experience because you know supplementation, as in the last twenty years, is this blown up in this country because people are realizing like maintaining your health is key in order for the longevity of us to live, especially with all the you know chemicals and toxins. We get in the daily life so in order to you know adapt to that we have to live healthier on other aspects so supplementations help with that so i enjoy that part of it and then i had to put myself through like some fitness exercises and stuff like that so i ended up doing duathlons if you guys don't know what it's all about is it's two exercises you take um four miles running 16 miles biking and then you got to go back on the running part for another four miles good lord yeah, so I ended up training for about a week during that time and it was it was awful. I did not train <laughs> enough. I didn't right. do what I was supposed to do. But what I did is I did more research and I took my diet and everything and I changed it and I trained for another month. And it I I know it's only 23rd out of the entire race, but You know, to go a month in training and I ended up going from like dying on the first race to getting 23rd out of the total race amount of people, guys and girls, older adults, you know, younger adults. So it was kind of cool this to see that process take place that I was applying some supplements, I applied my diet and I applied, you know, a good workout ethic with my exercise and put it all together. And that's why I call it the trifecta. You need those three to really get, you know, your body in tune with what you're doing better recovery, better endurance, and you're just feeling better about yourself. So, uh, backstory is it started in high school. I got really in tune with it. I love the supplements and I love the conversation of supplements. It's an amazing to talk about what supplements do for the human body and, you know, allowing people to actually get where they want to get to physically, mentally, and then, you know, health-wise too. Well, that's your heart, your lungs, you know, you're trying to grow muscle, you're trying to lower the blood pressure, glucose levels, whatever it may be. There's something for everybody. Right. But I mean, that's pretty much like a little backstory there, which started in high school. And then it's just kind of elaborated since high school. Did you
1: have, did you have like an ugly duckling story? Were you like a fat kid and then transformed? Or did you, were you always just, you know, um, Greek God physique? Definitely not Greek
0: God physique. (laughs) And I'm not a Greek God physique now. I try to live my life on a balance and health. Right. Um, But in high school, I was more like, I think I graduated at like 180 pounds. So I wasn't like... This puny little guy, but I wasn't also like this big muscular guy. I ended up lifting weights and that's when I got really muscular is when I tore my ACL back in, you know, about two years after high school, playing basketball at the gym, tore my ACL. So I was working full time, going to school full time and I had nothing else to do because my work told me I had to go on disability until my knee was, you know, fixed so I wouldn't be a risk for them. So I ended up going to the gym four to five hours a day. I did my rehabilitation, all my physical therapy on my own and got my knee back to being healthy. Got back to playing basketball eight months later. So it was a good experience. I gained about 25 pounds Mm. during that, you know, four to five. And I I started to feel good about it. So weights started, you know, I kind of like the idea of lifting. And it's been a growing process since then. Did I look like I belong on a magazine after I gained 25 pounds? No, I had muscle and fat. I wasn't a chubby kid, but I put on some bulk, you know, it was good. And then since then, I've just been developing my trade and my craft for my own body and learning what works for me. And I just maximize that now and maintain what I have and enjoy life and eat cupcakes on the side, eat donuts, but (laughs) I can also go two months without touching junk food, you know? So whatever your goal is, you got to kind of sit there and focus on it, but it's pretty cool to watch yourself grow and you got to spend time, you know? It's about work ethic and putting the time in. You're not yeah. going to get it. Everybody says it. You're not going to get it overnight. It's a true story. Most of the bodies you see have developed over years upon years and upon years of spending hours on the trade. And it's just like any education that you do, whether you go to a four-year university, you do a master's, PhD. You have to spend the time to get your your trap your your trade or your craft going in order yeah. to be successful. Right.
1: Yeah, I mean that's super important. I mean, uh, when I was in high school, I was almost three hundred pounds, and I had to—you know it was a fat kid story, right? I, my buddy was in the Marine Corps or going to into the Marine Corps, was training for it, and he was running every single day, several miles. Uh, got on that diet plan and everything like that, so I kind of followed suit with that, and um, and I just started running, like every day, maybe four times out of the week, five times out of the week, I was running around my hometown. I don't know how many miles it was, but it was a lot. And I actually went on the subway diet. Yeah, you saw Jared, huh? Yeah, I saw Jared before he was convicted of being a pedo. Um, So at the time, he was a little bit more of an inspiration, not so much anymore. Uh, but, um, But yeah, no, I got on the subway diet and I actually lost like 50 or 60 pounds. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, by the time I got into college I've gained some of that back, but I think I've gained more muscle mass and stuff like that over time, but I still got a little bit of fat on back. Yeah, but it's it's what you're comfortable with and you know right. everybody says like the story like
0: you never had to work hard for this, you never you, we hear it all the time in the fitness world, right? But you know, like don't judge a book by its cover. Right. Like me personally, I was 25, 26, um I almost died choking cuz my tonsils were touching. Oh wow. And so I was one of like the rare, like I think it was one in ten thousand people that choked based on tonsils. Mm. And so I ended up getting them out. I lost thirty pounds in like five days. Wow! So I went from like a pretty like strong beefy dude to pretty skinny because I couldn't eat. So I wasn't eating. I wasn't working out. I couldn't work out for another three weeks after that. So it took me nine months to put that weight back on and do it the right way and build that muscle. So you know, people don't. Everybody's got a story. Mine maybe not losing weight, but to put all those years and effort into something, and then have it taken away from me. Yeah. I mean, I understand the mental capacity that it takes to fight every day, knowing that you're trying to get back to what you were at one time. So, you know, you just have to focus on, like, the latter scale. Each day, just take it, you get your goals for the day, set the next goals for the next day, and keep moving forward. And that's all I did. I knew it would take me a while, but it's you got to have that goal and success rate. So.
1: what did it, what did it feel like to know that you, that you lost all that hard work that you put into it? Like when you, if you put yourself back into that moment right now, like what was that feeling? What was that thing that you're going through?
0: Uh, it's kind of crushing because it's like, I always compare like fitness and calories and stuff to money because a lot of people understand what it's like, right? Right. It's like winning the lottery and then like the next day having someone just rip it away from you and you have nothing. Yeah. Right. So all your hard work, I guess the lottery might be a bad example, but maybe like your success rate, you invested well, you spent five, six, seven, eight years investing all your money. And before you know it, like you had this nice little bank account. Right. And it's like the next day it's gone. That's what it kind of felt like me. Like the carpet was ripped from underneath me and I was back to square one. Wow. So, you know, mentally, like. I knew more at that age too. So I was better to recover because my education level was higher on my body. So I knew what to do with my body quicker. I wasn't trying to figure out my blueprint. Right. So I had a better plan of attack for it. Got it. And so I took that and it allowed me to do what I did better. Than I did before because I already knew what my body would do for changes. I just had to stay loyal to the course. Yeah. I if mean, that makes sense.
1: No, absolutely. I mean, that's a perfect example of what, uh, failure means. I mean, a lot of people assume that failure is such a bad thing, but it's really not. It's just, it's like, as Les Brown would say, it's, um, uh, setback is only the setup for a comeback. Right. Yeah, and, yep. you know, and it's that's just a perfect example of what it's like when you when you put a lot of work into something, you lose your all your effort and something else when unexpected things happen. And then you just have to work really hard at getting back to it and you improve yourself. You not only, you know, uh, fix what you lost and, and regain what you lost, but you do it better the next time around. Right. So Oh yeah. completely. completely. Yeah. So just prime example there uh um, yeah, you know i i empathize with a lot of people that go
0: through and that's why the field i'm in is beneficial for me because i i understand it to a point of what they're going through and how exhausted it is mentally to feel defeated all the time so to be able to relate to someone is always key in order right. to allow them to succeed too
1: yeah, definitely. Uh, what, so to paint the picture here, I'm, I'm curious. So you were 180 pounds in high school, um, and then you packed on, what, like 30 pounds and stuff like that? I packed on about 25. So I think I, about 205
0: is what it was after knee surgery, after I spent about four months in the gym, rebuild, rebuilding my knee and the strength of my legs. I yeah. was about 205, yeah.
1: And do you know what your body fat percentage was at that point?
0: You know, honestly, the, shoot, I've only tested my body fat, I think, twice my whole entire life. I'm all about, you know, you feel good, look good. So if I feel good, I know I look good type of thing. As I hate the fact where people are like, oh, I want to be 6% body fat. I want to be 9%. I want to be 4%. It's how you look because everybody wears the body different. Right. You can put two people up next to each other. Both of them have 6% body fat and they can look completely different. Right. So it's all about how you feel in the mirror. If you're comfortable with yourself, that's what I go for. If I'm six percent body fat, and I feel great and I look great, great. If I'm ten percent body fat, and I still feel the same way. Then I'm good with it. Yeah. So I have no idea what my body fat was <laughs> at that time.
1: Yeah, because I was asking that just because I wanted to kind of measure the results between then and now, like to see kind of what your your body fat percentage is now, or like. So, with that said, what would you say like you are now compared to then, and and what's some of the work and time and effort things that you've Put into your own routine to learn about your body and develop t- develop your body now as it is today. I think structurally,
0: you stop worrying about aesthetics as much as in like, oh, I gotta have this six pack or I gotta have the eight pack. You know, I think it goes more to like how can I challenge myself mentally to be better health wise. So if I was like, say I haven't done anything on my bucket list, I want to do a 60 mile ride, a hundred mile bike ride, you know, that's going to be the thing I want to train for now because my body's not used to it. You know, some people go run marathons, some people go do triathlons, whatever it may be. Spartan races are huge for people, mud runs, like getting your body to challenge it differently and train differently than it was before is what I do now. So I'm always challenging to do something different. So it's not necessarily about like the aesthetics of like okay I got to have this way or that way. I'm a, I'm training for the future now. I'll be honest with you. I'm training for like as I get older, I want my joints to feel better, you know. I spend a lot of time at the retirement home so I see the injuries. I see what they're doing, what they complain about and it's amazing the ones that are more functional have been doing workouts the whole entire life maybe not to an extreme that some people do versus other people, but they're active. They've stayed active and they're still being active. And you can tell like their brain versus their physicalness is completely different than the people that, that don't work out.
1: Oh yeah. hundred percent. Like my grandparents, my grandfather's in his late seventies and my grandmother is in her eighties and they walk like three miles every day. Yeah. And they're it's just that, that activity, right? Yeah. And I think that's what,
0: um, I like Instagram and stuff like that has distorted like a lot of people's views of how bodies should be. And honestly, I don't I don't test my clients body fat. I don't. There's there's not a need for it. Like they can see their body change. They can see their effort change when they're getting stronger. Their body's shrinking like they put on the pair of pants or a shirt or a dress, whatever it may be. And they can see their body shrinking. You know, they can go through and see, and then you start working on the areas that they want to work on, right? And so, yeah, do you work on a little aesthetics completely? Because people have a vision of what they want. But if you're driven completely by aesthetics, you're missing the main point of why you work out. You know, the insides of your heart, your lungs, keeping that blood pressure down, trying to keep everything healthy is key. I think people lose sight of that, overlooking all the aesthetic part of, hey, I got to, I got to be this person because the magazine says I have to be that person or the Instagram model that has a million followers. It looks this way and I got to look that way. Right. So I think trying to like, and that's why I don't preach the body fat because it's just another number for people to get fixated on. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. It's it's, con- it's common sense to not get fixated on it, but we're all guilty of it because we're always striving to be better.
1: Right. But once we start doing that, we also get kind of off track a little bit. So, so with that then, how would you suggest that people uh, get into the right mindset? Uh, w- well, let me back up. So when you said like it's all mindset in terms of how you want to think tr- uh, nutritionally and then kind of work your workouts around that kind of stuff, doing different workouts, doing different training routines every day or every week or whatever to uh, reach those goals. So the question is, is how do you – How do you come up with these goals and how do you do goal setting around this specific type of mindset if you don't want people to focus too much on numbers themselves?
0: So when they're coming through and like you talk to them with whatever direction you're talking, email in person, through the phone, you kind of have to break down like what's their main goal set? Everybody's going to go back to a number. It's going to go back to a pant size. I want to look like I did in high school. Well, how'd you look in high school? Okay. Like give me give me like a picture of what right, you look yeah. like in high school. Okay. And then you kind of have to go in the backstory of why they're doing what they're doing. Do they have any ailments? You know, what's bugging them? Maybe they have a back injury, a knee injury, a shoulder injury, whatever it may be. You gotta figure those things out too when you're starting to work out their goals. And then you gotta break down the fact that you really gotta break down their brain to tell themselves that, okay, I want this in two months, but realistically I need nine. Okay. So two months your body's getting acclimated to a system. And then it gets kind of on the, oh, I know what you're doing to me. So I'm going to get right into the groove. So I'm, I'm cruising on the freeway now, right? And then all of a sudden you're cruising on the freeway and it comes dead stop like you're in traffic, right? Your body just goes, you know what? I'm throwing my hands up in there and I'm going to switch things on you and be not effective for you anymore. So what are you going to do about it, right? Results stop happening. So that's when you got to start changing that. So I'm going to back up a little bit and go, when those scenarios are happening, you have a couple choices. You give up on your goal or you find a way to defeat those roadblocks, right? And so when people are breaking down the mental part of it, you have to break down the fact that stop thinking about numbers. Think about weekly goals. Okay, this week I'm going to hit a plank position for 60 seconds because last week I only did 45. Okay, I ran two miles in 15 minutes. This week I'm going to run two miles in 14 minutes and 55 seconds. So you kind of get the gist of what I'm saying, right? Yeah, So instead of getting fixated on the weight, getting fixated on the body, start fixating on the things that you can control at the time of that. Okay. So each week, fixate on the goals that you can conquer. Because when you conquer those goals week in and week out, A, it's mentally stimulating. B, physically you're getting better because you're beating your time from the week before. And C, your body doesn't know what you're doing to it still, and it's going to keep shocking it. And before you know it, your results will actually happen.
1: Right. So this is kind of like what... um... This is kind of like a Steve Jobs' philosophy. If we relate this over to technology and business, right? Um, Steve Jobs and the Apple executive team back in the day, and I'm still, they, I'm sure they still do this now. But um, there was, uh, are you familiar with Simon Sinek? you know what? I'm not actually that familiar with him. So, um, for you and for the listeners who are not familiar with Simon Sinek, he is this guy who's wildly popular on Ted talks for his, uh, topic of starting with why, um, the reason why you do things is going to be the biggest motivation for people to do what they do. Um, and he told this story of, uh, he met the Apple executive team back in the day when the Microsoft Zune was still around and Microsoft gave him a Zune after one of his talks and Simon was enthralled with it, right? He was just like, oh, this is the coolest device ever. I love this thing. It's way better than the iPod, but I can't use it because I have a Mac and it doesn't work with my Mac. So um, he He actually, when he met the Apple executive team, he was riding in the back of a limo with one of the executives and he told him he he likes to stir the pot. So he's like, hey, you know, uh, Microsoft gave me this brand new Zune and it's so much better than the iPod. And the executive said, just looked over at him and said, I have no doubt. And Simon was kind of taken back by that a little bit and was wondering to himself, like, why, why isn't this guy kind of battling me on this and why isn't he defending his product? But he realized that it was the, the executive said that because Apple was in a competition with themselves. They weren't, they weren't in a competition with anyone else. And they're only focused on making their own products better every year or you know, every other year, whatever that yeah, product yeah, cycle was. So anyway, a long story there. But um, just the whole point that you're making here is just be in competition with yourself instead of focusing on those hard numbers that everybody else really wants to focus on. Um, so that's, that's absolutely, absolutely. No, it, it's awesome
0: too. watching people once they adapt to that. And they stop worrying about the numbers, how much easier it is for them to actually live a lifestyle that is conducive to not getting yin and yang, right? They're not healthy and then completely reversed opposite. So it's amazing to watch once that mental capacity actually hits and they start taking all those tools together and they start applying it, and how much more they actually get results than, you know. I always call the yin and yang because they're one direction or the other. There's no in between. Yeah. So it's pretty it's pretty cool to watch this people grow. So
1: So what are some of the challenges that you see some of your clients going through during uh, different cycles or different stages of their of their goals? I would say the biggest one is probably getting through social norms,
0: uh, getting through the family events, getting through going out with friends, coworkers trying to maintain that healthiness while they have all these different obstacles at their disposal. So getting off of work, going to happy hour, they don't control the situation. They'll go wherever the coworker wants to go. Well, why don't you control the restaurant? Yeah. Be the first one to say, hey, let's go eat here. I'm, I'm craving this there. You know, most people are going to be like, oh, okay, let's go here. Then that's fine. Because you made the you made the option of going here first. They're not going to go, oh, no, I don't like that place, right? Most of the time they're going to be like, cool, let's go. That sounds good to me. And so you start controlling the environment that you want to be put in. So these people that I like, I call them my people, my family, my fitness family, whatever you want to call them once, like, I basically introduced to you, like, I want you to succeed. I want to see results. I want whatever way I can help you. I want to help you. Right. But the mm-hmm. biggest thing I see is I'll get people texting me like, hey, I'm going to this restaurant. What should I eat? Right. Well, send me the menu. I'll give you a couple options. Those are the devoted people that are willing to go through social norms and be, quote, unquote, the outcast because you're making people uncomfortable by eating healthy. Right? right. Let's be honest. I'm eating a burger and fries. The person to my left is eating a burger and fries. The person to my right, and you order a salad with side dre- or dressing on the side and you bring your <laughs> dressing, everybody stops and goes, uh, microphone on you, headlights are on you, everybody's <laughs> on you, right? And like, they start eating their food, and they're uncomfortable because – you just made them feel guilty for eating junk foods. Yeah. And then you're, you're thinking you're uncomfortable because you're eating healthy, but you're actually making them uncomfortable. So getting them past that like uncomfortableness of saying, hey, you need to stand on your own. It's going to be difficult, but you stick to this loyalty and you're, you're going to get results and excuse me, but it's amazing to watch when people get through those social norms. And I, I went through it. I went through Thanksgiving and Christmas a couple of years with no junk food. I missed out on my grandma's like amazing cookies. She does this like big old platter of cookies during the holidays. <laughs> I did two years of that. And then I stopped doing that because I wanted the cookies. Right. So all my fitness goals were after Christmas. So it didn't matter if it was the day after, as long as I got my cookies on Christmas, I was good to go. right? <laughs> but I knew my social norms when it was hardest for me to be loyal, right? I'd up my cardio before Christmas, eat my cookies during Christmas, and then get back onto my bandwagon after that, right? So it's all about what you want. But social norms, I would say, is the biggest obstacle and stuff that people have to fight with in order to get through like any type of program, staying up late. Why social norms, if you really break it down even more besides the food, you know, your friends are staying out late, so you stay out late. Now you miss your workout because you can't get it in before work because you're tired and you want to sleep. And then after work, you're exhausted from working all day, so what happens? You end up going home and watching Netflix for four hours and watching your favorite program. Right. So I would say the biggest thing to conquer an obstacle to defeat is probably the social norms, getting out of that routine and knowing that your goals for fitness and health are more important than anything else that you can put on your plate. And I'm not discarding, like, family and friends. I understand, like, there's different, you know, variables that play a role. But you got to put yourself first for an hour every day. It's not a big deal. Set an appointment in your phone. It's like getting a massage, going to the dentist. You set that appointment and you abide by that appointment. So what's the difference with giving yourself an hour a day?
1: Right. Healthy. Yeah, 100%. That's awesome. Um so when you were talking about like growing up in high school and stuff like that, you, you started to touch on um, that idea of loving fitness. Why is fitness so important to you? Uh, fitness, actually, I'll bring a mental.
0: Like it's always allowed me to be my outlet for life, right? When life gets stressful, I'll go play basketball for two hours. Go do something positive to offset that negativity, right? I also learned like... Fitness is in it, you know, overall health is key. Because when I was talking about when I was choking, when I was 25, like I went to the doctor and the doctor's like, I'll be honest with you. He's like, the reason that you're still alive is because your lung capacity and your heart capacity. He's all, the doctor was a guy and he's like, I'll, I'll be real with you. He's all, your conditioning kept you alive. Wow. He's all you can handle a lot less oxygen longer than a normal human being because of your conditioning. So, you know, it kind of clicked on me that aesthetics, you know, it's kind of like my epiphany at that time. Aesthetics aren't what I should always preach and always go for. Right. I was about 25, 26 when that happened. So the last 10, 11, 12 years, I've been, I switched my process of how I think and how I want my clients to think. And it's not all about growing the six pack of abs. It's about general health and living a healthy life. And so I definitely switched my mentality and don't get me wrong. It's nice to have abs. It's nice to have the body you want. That will come as long as you focus on the other attributes of why you're working out.
1: Right. It's kind of like that whole idea of, um, again, back to Simon Sinek, actually, um, he has a, you know, it's a really great example of the reason why you do something is more important than the gains. Right. And that's kind of a double entendre there. If you're in the fitness community, you hear the word gains. Um, anyway, um, So like when, when you focus on the reason why you love something or the reason why you want to do something that becomes your biggest catalyst for things that you do, right? So like when you are focused on a career and a passion that you love and that you care about, uh, and you're good at it and you spend a lot of time working at it a lot, you will get paid. The money will come if you're so, if someone's focused on getting paid first, then they're not going to make too much money. And if they do make a lot of money, it won't last very long because there will be people who see right through it and see your true intentions. But, um, but you know, it's, it's, it's really good to, to see it that way because, um, that's kind of what you're going through. Right. I mean, you, you had your reason why, like you had that solid foundation of, of like, okay, well shit, I survived. I actually kept up my fitness and it's not just about my six pack, right? It's about everything else that I did to focus on my body and things like that. So I think that's great what you're doing and, and telling people to focus on that big reason, because that reason why fitness is so important is really important because that'll trump everything against like having that six pack and stuff like that.
0: Oh yeah, definitely. And don't get me wrong. Like having a goal to reach a goal is great If your goal is a six pack and you want to go get it, go get it. Yeah, But understand the stages before getting that six pack of why you're doing what you're doing. It shouldn't be just for the six pack. It should be for, you know, I want to climb up the stairs without huffing and puffing. I want to play with my four-year-old kid because they're getting that energy level and I can't keep up anymore. You know, there's so many different variables of why you want to do what you want to do. So I think overall just keeping, and it's a mental game, mental first, physical second. If you come in there with the right mindset, and I have clients that are like gung-ho, you know, I've watched my clients train for shows. I've watched my clients drop 70 to 100 pounds, and watching them, each one of their mindsets the same. They're stuck on their goal, and whatever they're going to do is going to be you know, about obtaining that goal. There's nothing going to get in their way. They have their family support, their friends' support, and they, if they don't get that support, you know what they do is they avoid those people for that time until their goals met it's because they know that the negative influence is not going to be good for the goal. Right. And so you are the environment that you surround yourself with, right? If you survive, if you surround yourself with active people and people that are wanting to go on hikes, they're wanting to do walk around the, you know, neighborhood for three miles, like your grandparents, right? If you're constantly around people that want to do those things, you tend to they tend to rub off on you. Why do you think we read, like, self-help books and we read, like, you know, educational books based on, like, TED Talks? Like, these are people that have been there, done that. They're influencing us, and we want to learn from them, right? And so we take all their knowledge and we want to apply it. It's no different than fitness. You just have to apply it to your own lifestyle. And so you want to hang out with the people that you want to be best with. If I want to be a good baseball player, right, I need to go hang out with some good baseball players, because no matter what, I'm going to get better. I might not be as good as them, but I'm going to get better because I'm around them all the time. I'm not going to go hang out with people that don't know how to play baseball. And so you want to hang out with the people that are in their environment that you want to be like, right? So it doesn't matter how in depth you want to go, but you got to have like-minded people in order to succeed.
1: Got it. Um, interesting. Um, so kind of to divert a little bit and, and talk about like diet and supplementation and stuff like that. And then we'll start to lead into the tips and actual insight for, for the listeners. But um, I hear a shit ton of people talking about this whole keto diet thing, right? Like what is it exactly?
0: So what you're doing is you're basically giving up your carbs and you're applying your fat. So your body's energy level is pretty much protein, carbohydrates and fat. So you need proteins built for the building blocks of your muscle recovery. The carbohydrates is your main energy source, but fat is a very high energy source. And so what you're doing is you're actually depleting your, your carbohydrates and making your body utilize fat as an energy source. So what you're doing is you're pretty much taking your sugar out of your system and allowing your bo- body to actually take your fat, utilize that as energy, and then you're still using your protein for recovery. There's a couple of different ways people are doing keto diets. There's a keto flex diet, which basically gives you five days of basically keto type eating and two days of higher carbohydrate eating. And then you have basically you have to run a HIIT program, high intensity training type exercises with no no food or anything, fasted food, you know. Let me back that up. That sounded really funny. Fasted food. <laughs> so fasted diet, so nothing in your stomach. You just go in, empty stomach, and you're trying to get all that glycogen out of your system and so you can get back on the keto as much as possible. The people that really want to do the keto diet really need to pee on some strips or they can get different types of testers to see when they're actually in ketosis. You want to be in ketosis so you can actually burn the fat and that's when your body's actually utilizing the fat as an energy source. And so keto is a is it good? It can be. Is it bad? Well, it can be. It depends on what your body is and how in tune you're going to be. You can do any diet you want, but if you're not going to stay loyal to a diet, then you're not going to be good about it. Take the vegetarian diet for, you know, I'm vegetarian. Okay. not me personally, but I'm using that as an example. Right. You go through and you go seven days on and you go seven days off, seven days on, seven days off. Well, you're not staying loyal to that. So you're really a vegetarian. Right. If you're going to stay loyal to the keto, the low-carb diet, the carb-flex diet, whatever it may be, it doesn't matter. You have to stay loyal to it. So if you're going to do keto, jump in and do keto. I'll give you a couple of things about keto that make it difficult. There's the thing called the keto flu where your body is changing and your body doesn't know what to do, and you feel like you have the flu. Hmm. Your body doesn't know what to do because you're not giving it carbohydrates, so you feel drained. You feel like you got a cold. You feel like you're this like – you're kind of dazed and confused, right? Your brain isn't utilizing carbohydrates for functionality anymore. And so it needs to transfer the way it processes stuff, right? And when you get through that, yes, some people don't have it. Some people do. That's one of the biggest things I hear about keto is the keto flu. It's hard. You got to Sometimes it lasts up seven seven to 10 days for some people. Wow. And so like feeling like you're exhausted and fatigued for seven to 10 days isn't fun. And some people have a hard time that way so they don't stay on it. The other part is like you have to plan out. It's a different type of eating. You have to plan out your food. There's no way around it. When you go to a restaurant, how do you eat? When you're at home, what do you eat? You'd normally go to carbohydrates and have a blend, maybe some healthy fat, do whatever you do. But you have to change the way you're thinking about food and you have to change how you actually eat. And so if you go in there not having a plan, you're going you're gonna to fail because you don't know what to do. Right. So I guess the best way to put keto is, is it effective for people? Yes. Is it effective for all people? No. Got it. Right. And so you have, you have to try and stay loyal.
1: And then if you can stay loyal, you're going to see results. Right. It's no a matter of if you're going to stay loyal or not. I mean, it's like any other diet, right? I mean, some people yeah. go on one diet and it works for them and another person works good for them, but not that and I think. And I think the main thing about, you know,
0: the word diet is our daily intake of food, right? As, as a society uses diet as such a wide range of like, I'm on a temporary escape from what I normally do. But what people don't understand is your daily intake of food. I, I mentioned this to you before, like 80, 80% healthy, 20% junk, right? You're gonna maintain your body mass pretty much. You have a little more freedom. You wanna start getting a little more results. You gotta go like 90, 10, you know, conquer out. If you really break that down in calories, You know, say you eat 2,000 calories a day, right, times seven days to 14,000 calories, do 10% of 14,000, right, 1,400 calories. So that's all the junk food that you get for the week. So you eat, like, a Snickers bar and, like, a cupcake, you're almost at 1,400 calories, right? Yeah. So think about it. If you put it into perspective, 10% is not that much junk, and that's why you can get better results with 10%. 20%, you got 2,800 calories, right? So you can go get two double doubles, a couple animal style fries, an in and out burger, and you're still within that 2,800 calories. So this kind of shows you that, like, play it like money. You know, if you don't have, you know, money in the bank, you don't pay a bill. If you don't have negative calories, you're not going to lose weight. You're not going to trim up because your body's has the exact opposite, has a surplus. So it has to put it somewhere. Yeah, and she's going to put it right back in those fat cells. So,
1: right, exactly. Um, and then um, I've also heard people, and as as well as yourself, talk about how important like fish oil and stuff like that is. Um, what exactly does fish oil do for you, other than kind of the advertised thing of like what the omega fatty acids do for brain function and memory and all that kind of stuff? Like, from your perspective, what does fish oil actually do? Uh, Two parts of fish oil the EPA DHA
0: a lot of people don't understand like the EPA is the anti-inflammatory system So that is the system that's going to go through and actually like people take Advil when they get inflamed body parts, right? The joints feel inflamed whatever it may be the muscles ache from working out Maybe it's just life, you know, you've been abusing your body at work for last 20 years and you got inflammation in your body the fish oil, what you want to do is make sure that when you're looking at EPA, that's a natural anti-inflammatory system. So you want to look at that and make sure that you have a high quantity of that. And what I mean by high quantity is they say 800 to 1,000 of the combined EPA, DHA should be your daily intake of fish oil per day. Now, if you want to do more because your body's fighting like a shoulder problem, a knee problem, you should do it. I knew a couple of people that were going through chemo You know, fighting off some cancer, and they were taking high doses of fish oil to combat the chemo on their joints. It would inflame their body with a ridiculous amount of inflammation where the point where they can't really move. And they noticed fish oil made a big difference because of the fact that they, A, the body responded to it quicker and they didn't have to take more pharmaceuticals. B, they started moving a little bit easier because their joints weren't inflamed. It's like having like a big balloon of pus in your joint. And you know you're trying to move it, and it's hard to move it, right? You become less mobile. Your joints feel like they're basically rubbing nonstop, and you can't really move. So flexibility, range of motion, everything switches. Fish oil is going to go in there and help combat those areas that are inflamed the most. So, like knee surgeries, stuff like that, you can take three to five thousand milligrams, you know, of fish oil per day. You're not going to overdose. It's not like one of those things where, like, you can't have a certain amount. Right. Your body utilizes it and gets rid of it. So, right.
1: Now, similar to that, I, I, for myself personally, I take some of those like green supplements for like mm-hmm. your um, superfoods. Yeah. The, the superfoods type stuff. Um, I It's like three pills a day, and it says to take one. Uh, one at each meal, three meals or whatever per day, but I just take all three in the morning. Does that, does that have a huge impact? And then also kind of what do those green supplements do for you exactly?
0: Well, the greens are also going to give you your antioxidants. They're giving your vitamins and minerals that maybe like alfalfa. There's all kinds of stuff that usually go in the greens. It's going to give you the stuff that normally we lack, right? Most people don't take five to seven servings of vegetables and fruit per day. We're all pretty guilty of that. And so like adding a green just helps your body, you know, fight off the toxins in your system. And so doing like, I do a green supplement and I do a a powdered multivitamin supplement too, because let's, let's be real. Everything in our society has some type of junk or not. And we're fighting more stress than ever before. People are constantly being reminded of stress and stretch kills your body. You know, you want an immune system that actually can fight for you. So greens are good. And usually when they tell you to take three separate ones, usually means that they're telling you so you get the best absorption. So if you actually split it up during your meals, you're probably going to get better absorption than taking all three because your body's only going to use a certain amount of it and then get rid of it. Oh, I see. So usually when they tell you separate them, it's better for your absorption rate than if you took them all three at one time. It'd be like taking, you know, B vitamins, are water soluble, right? So you take a B vitamin, and you pee, and it's like bright yellow, right? But if you look at the dose that they put in there, it's so high because your body doesn't really grab much of it. And so that's why they do it, is because your body gets gets it in, gets rid of it. And so when they're telling you three pills, it means that they want you to take it separate so you get the best absorption. Got it.
1: Okay. Um all right. So um and now I want to talk about protein next. Um, I just got a bunch of questions for you. So um I'm one of those guys that kind of just follows the directions on the protein powder bottle. And I take the, um, the BPI sports okay. the yeah. isolate that yep. you had recommended previously. Um, and I just follow that one. It says like two scoops for me, uh, for after a workout. And I usually take it about an hour after my workout or within an hour after the workout. Um, so, is that about how much a guy should be taking? I mean, what's, what's your answer to that? Like, how much protein after a workout should we be taking?
0: Uh, most people, it's like 25 to th- you know, 40 grams. Depends on your body weight and how much protein you're ingesting. But 25 to 40, i say, is a pretty average number for most people. And, you know, like you're 200 pounds, like 40 grams is probably going to be sustainable. If you're a smaller, you know, female that's 115 pounds, you don't really need 40 grams. You know, that's a lot of protein at one time. The body doesn't need as much of it. But yeah, if they're telling you like two scoops, you're probably looking at what, 40 to 50 grams? It's, it's pretty normal for most people. But your body is going to utilize what it can utilize and it's going to get rid of it. And then if you have too much calories in there with the protein, you're going to store it just like anything else. So that's why, you know, and when you're doing the protein, I always do it with water after I work out. So there's no, you know, milk, any type of bond that can actually slow down the process of getting the protein into my muscles. Water is always the safest route. And then I would, I would say a half an hour once you're, you have a resting heart rate.
1: Got it. So now I'm one of those guys that also puts like, I use water, so I'll use water, but I also put frozen strawberries in there. Is that, is that a bad thing? Well, it's more
0: to digest for your system, right? And so if you have less in your stomach, your body can get rid of it faster, right? And so if you were to do protein, it's not a bad thing to have strawberries in there or raspberries, whatever you want to put in there. It's you know, sugar, it's natural sugar. So it's good for you. I mean, I'm not saying like, you know, a cup and nine cups of berries is going to be excellent (laughs) for you at 80 grams of sugar, right? But, you know, moderation when you're doing it, though. If you do the berries and you do stuff like that, is it going to be bad? No, but I still think that your stomach's not going to get through it as fast as if you were to do a straight protein and then maybe a little bit later do like some berries and stuff like that.
1: Right. So what you're trying to basically explain though is that when you take it with water and that's it, your body will absorb the protein faster and they get rid of the other stuff just as quickly or? So with the protein, you're not giving your
0: body, like your body understands like the molecules that are in its stomach, right? Your body's like, okay, I need to do this with it. When it's straight like protein, and your body's going, okay, what do I do with this? Well, I just worked out, I just killed my body. Well, I have to rebuild it, so I just stuck a bunch of protein in my body, and so I better chance of getting it to the muscles quicker without having to break it down. You're not, you're not slowing down the process. I you. Okay. And I still believe that, like eating like carbohydrates and stuff after you work out, it's key. But I would rather have the protein in my stomach right after I leave the gym, right? And then go eat like a half an hour, 40 minutes later and have the food and go back because you're still going to get to your muscles. You're still going to have that help with your glycogen levels and stuff like that. But the point of it is get the muscles reacting as quick as possible to the protein. I still don't think there's technically a wrong way to do it. It's, it's, if you're getting protein after you work out, yeah. you're still doing your body justice and that's what means the most to your body. Yeah, yeah. I don't really think you're going to, like berries is going to be, whether it <laughs> makes or breaks you, right. whether you're going to get fit or lose weight or gain muscle. I don't think it's going to be such a crucial thing where, so.
1: You know what's cool too is I've actually, uh, I, I recently started getting the powdered peanut butter mm-hmm. and I actually yeah. put a little bit of powdered peanut butter in my protein shake as well. PB2. Yep. Yep. <laughs> PB2 is good. Dehydrated peanut butter. Yep. <laughs> Um, and you mentioned uh, just a few moments ago that um, multivitamins and things like that, um, you know, I'm sure a lot of us guys are wondering what the best multivitamin system or, or methodology is out there. Should they should they be using pill or powder forms? You know, like what are some of the multivitamin information that you can, can you give them? So depending on where you get your pills, like you get what you pay for. So if you
0: buy them at a store that's selling $7 multivitamins, you're getting a $7 multivitamin. I would spend a little extra money and buy a multivitamin that's probably a little more money because they're probably not putting wax coatings on their pills. They're probably putting stuff that your body can actually penetrate fast enough to get the absorption rate higher. (laughs) Example, like GNC pills, they're about a 90% absorption rate because they don't use a wax coating. Your powders are about 100% because it's already broken down for your body. So it gets through the system faster. So, when you're looking at multivitamins, spend a little more money. And you're still looking at like a month's supply at $30 for a good multivitamin versus $7 at like a cheap, cheap multivitamin. I don't want to mention names, but <laughs> you know, a cheaper multivitamin, seven, eight bucks, right? You're getting what you pay for. Right. Stay away from the gummies. Oh, really? Think about what the gummies, they have no nutritional value back there. Like, if you look at like a powdered multivitamin versus like a gummy
1: mm.
0: and look at the amount that you get versus, you know it's pretty crazy really the gummies have like a short little ingredient label and then the powder ones have like this double layer ingredient label for a reason right you're getting multiple multiple doses of what you need it's, so you something use, to consider
1: so that, now that brings that makes me think about like uh people with kids right Are should they be feeding their kids the gummies then too or or they, is it a separate kind of situation I feel like the kids gummies are a little different because of the fact
0: that like they're smaller, they're small human beings. They're also got an immune system that fights off things so fast. Cause they haven't been beat up and down on life, you know? Yeah. Or We've, we've had how many extra years on them and we're killing our bodies left and right. They don't have the stress level we have. Right. They sleep eight hours at night without a problem. When's the last time you had eight hours of sleep? Right. Right. So yeah. Do I think that I'm not a doctor by any means, but there's a reason that kids have gummies. It's because they probably don't need as much because they get to sleep. They get this. They get that. They're also – your parents are making you eat vegetables and fruit all the time, right? They control the – they control it. Most of them don't make them go through fast food daily.
1: Well, I hope not.
0: So I think most of the kids are eating better than we are because we force our kids to grow, right? Right. So if you had to do it, I would find a good vitamin that's not gummy. You can find chewable ones that aren't gummy. Got it. My advice is gummies are probably not the best route for nutritional value.
1: Okay, for adults. All right. Um, and you mentioned this earlier too, and it, and it's about HIT training. So, to my knowledge, I do high intensity interval training um, at my gym, and um, that's that is the acronym high intensity interval training or HIT for yep. sure. Yep. Yep. Um, I've seen great results for myself and other people who use this style of workout. Um, I know you do some of it for your, for your clients as well. Like what makes this type of workout so effective?
0: Uh, you're allowing your body to burn fat and build muscle. And so when you're keeping the heart rate up, just like cardio, right? You're on a cardio machine, you're breathing, breathing heavy. You go for a run go for a bike ride, swim, whatever it may be. You're breathing heavy, right? Right. So your heart rate's up at a higher level for a longer duration. When you're doing hits, take that same duration that you'd feel in a run, but you start doing all these activities squats, push ups, burpees, whatever it may be, battle ropes. You're keeping that same intensity level of your heart with doing activity. So you're building muscle at the same time. Got it. That's why it's one of the most effective ways to actually A burn fat and build muscle and people are getting the best results from it is because you're combining two, two variables in the gym into one movement. That makes sense. Yeah. So, your effective rate of actually losing fat and gaining muscle is a lot higher because you have a the calorie burn, but B, you're also making your body maximize its resistance training and stuff like that. So it's producing better.
1: Yeah, that's good. I mean I and and they're fun too. They're not like boring workouts. like so if there are people who really just hate going to a regular gym and just like sitting on a weight machine for you know. Five, ten minutes at a time, and then switching to another machine and things like that, like switch to a hit workout it's pretty fun it's pretty fun
0: oh they're they're good because of the fact that like it keeps your mind moving, right look at boxers, like they have some of the best conditioning out of any athlete, and they're constantly hitting things, they're constantly moving, they're constantly doing other things so is their cardio straight like running no, do they run? yes, but they cross train with all the other you know altitude altitudes they do train in altitude a lot but all the other training is combined and they have you know they hit they you know jump roping then they go right into a punch in the bag and then they go right into something else right it's nonstop. it's a version of hit like you're doing one thing after the other without a break right and so if you have a cross training like that, or some days are cardio, some days are hit, some days are weight training, whatever it may be, you're balanced way more than you are if you just do one or the other.
1: So what's, what's the difference between, is there a difference uh, between hit training and CrossFit? Oh yeah, completely. Okay.
0: So CrossFit's just got a different idea of how they lift. They do a lot of barbell stuff. They do a lot of kettlebells. When you're doing now, do they do a HIT process where they're timing? They're doing a bunch of exercises within a certain duration completely. So, do they have you know attributes of like HIT programming? They're training completely, but is it straight up what they call HIT training? No, because they like they like to do their things with CrossFit. HIT training can really be anything. I can take six different exercises and make a hit program, and it could be the craziest different exercises ever. I could do tire jumps with tire flips, sledgehammers, battle ropes, and then do something easy like a squat up and down for a minute, and then push-ups up and down for a minute, and I can consider that a hit program. Right. right? So it doesn't matter. As long as you're continuously moving from exercise to exercise without a break, you're doing hit. Right. And that's why it's effective, because I always tell people cardio and cardio and cardio is not going to change you. Now, I give people the example of the Michelin man. Okay. Everybody knows the Michelin man. Right,
1: right.
0: Cardio by itself without any resistance or fitness training is going to be <clears throat> basically shrinking that Michelin man to a smaller version of itself. You didn't sculpt it. You just shrunk it. Now, if you want to sculpt your body, you have to create the resistance training with the cardio. The the ability to modify your body and move. <laughs> you know, body fat out of your system, get it rid of it and actually change the way your composition is has to have something that requires your body to basically compete against itself. And so you need to move your body, you need to move your arms, your legs in order for those areas to sculpt. You can't just do it doing cardio. Now, will you, will you trim up with cardio? Yes. But if you want to get less love handles, you know, bigger arms, you have to do some type of training on those specific areas.
1: Yeah, because the muscles will expand and take up the space that the fat would have taken up had, you know, had you not like worked that out, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And a pound's a pound. It doesn't matter if it's fat or muscle. Right. It just depends on the amount of space that it takes up in your body. Kernel corn is a prime example. I use this one all the time. Unpopped kernel corn is muscle. Pop kernel corn is your fat. Got it. And they're same weight, right? Just different compositions. Interesting. I haven't thought about it that way. Yeah, it's, it's an easy way to actually think about how your body is in relationship to muscle and fat, right? Yeah. Muscle takes a lot less space, but it weighs a pound. Fat takes up a lot more space, but still weighs a pound. Right. The muscle doesn't weigh more than fat. There's <laughs> more muscle that can fit into the same volume of that same pound of fat.
1: Right. Okay. Um, And then um, I want to ask you a few more questions before we jump into the tips and actionable insight. I know there's uh, been a lot of tips and ideas in there for people kind of peppered throughout the conversation, but I have some very explicit tips and actionable insight for people. Um, But before we get into that, I wanted to kind of talk about your supplements and everything like that. Um, This is something that's new for you, and it's going to be something interesting. Um, So what is your biggest reason for developing your own line of supplements? Uh,
0: It's always been a goal of mine to have my own supplement company. And so I teamed up with one of my friends, Anna, so she wasn't talked about originally with the supplements, but the cool part about it is, is I wanted to do something that was A, on my bucket list, B, something that I'm really, really, like when I talk about it, I could talk for hours talking about it. So it's a passion. It's something that comes deep down in like my insides of my body that I want to talk about 24 seven. You know, when you talk about like certain stuff, like you're kind of bored with it, right? Like uh, fitness. Fitness-wise, let's go, let's go clothing for you, right? Right. What, what items of clothing do you love to talk about versus other items? Do you love suits? Do you rather talk about jeans? Would you rather fit people in this, right? Would you rather go shoe shopping with someone because you love shoes and belt combos? So
1: what, what triggers you? I mean, for me, it's just – it's everything. It's like the whole process. For me, it's not so much about the clothing itself. I mean, I love suits. I love clothes and all that kind of stuff, of course, but – Um, it's about fit and it's also about how somebody looks before and after their process. So like before, when, when they haven't had a really, um, in my mind, in my opinion, they haven't had maybe the best fashion sense and they're kind of on their own struggling with it too. Maybe they're not super confident with it. It's after I've helped them kind of go through those phases and stages of like, okay, I don't like the way this looks on me but I don't know what else to get instead. You know, it's the whole process of me taking them to a store or fitting them in that J. Hilburn custom clothing that I offer. Um, you know, just being able to provide them with that new experience to help them feel better about themselves on the outside so that, you know, they're creating a cohesive um, alignment between who they are, do they believe they are as a person, and how they come to the show and how they present themselves in that way externally. And that's one of the reasons why I actually have you on the show is because, you know, there's guys that need to work on their fitness or they need, they need to feel good in their bodies and feel good on the outside too. So that when they do take their nice clothes off, they have something there to be confident about as well. but yeah, to answer your question, that's, that's the reason. (laughs) You like it all. Yeah. I like it all.
0: Yeah. Um, so, kind of doesn't correlate to my story I want to tell, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a good, it's a good sidebar okay, story right okay. Uh Supplements—I've just known how much they actually benefit for you're recovering how you want to get through goals. I've noticed that a lot of people that focus on fitness and then focus on nutrition, they're always missing one piece. It's usually the supplements. And are the supplements going to get you skinny? Are they going to get you ripped? Are they going to get you huge? No, not at all. But when you add them all together, they work in such unison together that you're actually going to get better results. So by taking supplementation, are you going to recover faster completely? Does that mean your workouts are better the next day? Yes. Are there some things that you can take with supplements to get you more motivated completely there's stuff that has caffeine in it you could do coffee whatever whatever floats your boat right but the supplementation i like of it because i like educating people on the fact that supplements are a tool to use in order to get you to your goal and i like it because i want to come up with some innovative stuff that maybe is not combined like they used to you know like there's people that have supplement companies there's a ton of them out there we're in such a huge market of competing with you know everybody you look at there's hundreds of companies I see every day that I don't know anything about. I haven't heard about them because they're not on the mainstream. But how are they changing lives? Are they changing lives? I don't want to just be a supplement company. I want to be a, basically an influence on people's lives to know that they can actually trust a supplement company and actually get results based on you know keeping it simple. Yeah. Where they proteins, branch chain amino acids. You know we're looking at doing a multivitamin and greens. Type supplement too, you know it might have a couple different variations that you can get on the market to separate us because those are what we want to do but in general i want to create a system that you know people can rely on and a get healthier from whatever lifestyle that they're trying to do whether they're competing in shows or they're trying to lose 300 pounds because they're too far overweight whatever it may be but supplements have always been a passion and i truly believe that if you do what you're passionate about life is not work right
1: right I love,
0: and that's that's what I want.
1: Yeah, I love that perspective. I mean, that's pretty much how Quest Nutrition started. I mean, they started out with that whole philosophy of that people just need to have better, you know, better food. You know, yeah, they, better options. Yeah, yeah, they didn't set out to say like, oh, let's create a nutrition company that's gonna, you know, sell like crazy and make all, like cool products that everybody's gonna just want. It's more like, no, let's make better food for people. So that people can be healthier and live longer. Well. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So that's why I love that perspective. But, but yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Um, what's your? What was like one of your biggest challenges in developing these supplements? Uh, patience. Uh, going through the whole process, trying to deal with
0: everything from manufacturers to labels to everything. You know, getting flavoring that people want to drink. It's hard. It's definitely. a it teaches you patience. You're not going to get it overnight. You're not going to snap your fingers and it appears. So it reminds you in life that if you're not patient, you're not going to get where you want to get to. So overall, has it been a good process so far? Yeah, completely. But it's also not something that I didn't think it would take this long, put it that way.
1: Yeah,
0: I thought it'd be a lot quicker and it wasn't. So it taught me to be patient, understand that, you know, trust the process. So.
1: Now, you were crowdsourcing uh, on Facebook a while ago when you were trying to figure out what to call it or what kind of theme to revolve the supplements around. And um, I, I remember I had a – I thought I had a good idea, but <laughs> – No, 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 no. Like, we, were, we were flooded with ideas, so we were trying to take – you know yeah, the majority always wins, right? Right. So what was, what was the deciding factor there in, in deciding on how you, uh, how you knew what to call it and how to theme the supplements? Um, we wanted an 80s vibe, 80s theme. When you talk to people about the 80s, what, you, what, what comes to mind? Leg warmers and ridiculous workout routines. Yeah. <laughs>
0: what,
1: what's, it, what's it outside of the looks of Richard Simmons and Susan
0: Simmons, right? <laughs> what do you see from people in general when they talk about the 80s? Well, let, me, let me elaborate a little bit more. If you were to play 80s in your car and you had four different types of friends in your car, Do you think 80s music would probably bring them all to agree upon that they'd like the music?
1: Um, I I feel, well, joy, happiness, yeah, for sure. Like a lot of good positive energy would come out of listening to 80s music. And I feel like it's the generation gap
0: connector. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't matter if you're 20, because I have clients that are 20 that know 80s music. They don't know 90s, 2000, whatnot. They know 80s. Mm. They don't know the 70s, the 60s. They know 80s, right? Right. And then I have you know people that are 50 60 they know the 80s. Yeah. So we created basically we wanted our vibe to be back in the 80s cuz about the good talk, right? People love the 80s. People love I don't something about the 80s the way they talk about it, the way the music sounds, the way it feels. Like 80s movies. Like 16 candles. Right. right? right. You got all these different movies. I mean the cheesy cheesy romantic chick flicks, whatever they may be. We had some good movies back in the 80s and they're originals and it was great feelings. So what we wanted to do marketing wise is create that same vibe. We wanted a supplement company that wasn't just all about, you know, I'm ripped and I'm standing on a poster. We wanted people to feel our vibe. We wanted the 80s to come back and people to be happy-go-lucky and feel like, hey, I'm taking a supplement that these people are vibing how I'm vibing in life. So marketing-wise, we wanted you know, people to understand our vibe based on our bottle, look at our bottle and be like, okay, that's cool. We got some new things we're going to probably do to the bottles to make it a little more 80s looking,
1: but that'll be the next batch. That's cool. You should just put Al Pacino on there and just, you know. Al Pacino, yeah. He's a <laughs> Scarface quote or something.
0: I think we're going to put some Rubik's Cubes or something on the oh, bottle. Nice. You know, make, we're, we're, we're working on the 80s thing, yeah. Miami Vice style, right? Yeah. But we went with Lean Bod, right? <laughs> So a couple of different factors that went into that. A, it was the leading one of the Facebook, basically, tester group that we did. Second is BOD is a huge 80s term. Mm. And we wanted something like lean because, you know, it's, it's a lean meal replacement. You're not getting a lot of additives. You got protein, fiber, some healthy fat. You're getting a good balance between everything that you need. And so, you know, the main objective to do it is everybody's taking a meal replacement for a reason of... They're not eating enough food during work or they're on the go. So we wanted something that solidified lean. So they knew it was lean right off the get-go. And then, you know, body. Body's kind of boring, so we wanted to add the 80s vibe to it. That's why we used bod. Got it.
1: Cool. So let's get into those tips. Uh, we've got about eight tips. And um, let's jump into uh, tip number one, and that's maintaining strength uh, throughout age. Yeah, so I think when people are in general are doing... Their fitness,
0: they're not thinking about the future at the same time. They're so, we preach so much about focusing on your goal at hand that they're not thinking about the future, right? You can't work out if you have a shoulder injury, knee injury, hip injury, you're going to be delayed, right? So functional training is key to start out with. Learn the basics, go through, understand how your body moves through the joints so the muscle can also move at the same time. And so what you want to do is make sure that when you're starting a training program, if you're a rookie, you need a rookie training plan. If you're a little more advanced, you're going to have harder stuff. But if you're not lifting correctly, you're going to hurt yourself for the future. So what did I mean by maintaining strength through your 20s, 30s, and 40s? <clears throat> excuse me. Is that if you don't have functional training and you're not working within your means and you're going too far above and beyond and you're not working out correctly, you're going to hurt yourself for the future. And that's when you're going to have your injuries. And then you're going to get – most people that have injuries usually tend to gain weight. They tend to do this, tend to do that and before they know it. They packed on the 20 pounds that they – took off because they're hurt. And so functional is the biggest word I could say is train your body so you can actually function in life. And then everything else you can get more in depth with once you're more comfortable.
1: So how would you like if we were to kind of zoom in or not zoom in rather zoom out on a lifetime, how would you see kind of the different phases right so like what would what should the 20s look like for training what should the 30s look like for training 40s 50s like if we're thinking about this in terms of an arc right because when you're younger you've got a lot of energy or piss and vinegar as my dad would say um you go you go up a little bit higher and you start to hit that curve and you start to come back down again as you as you age and get older so kind of like how would you see that curve going like where would all those different workout routines be in order to age gracefully.
0: I feel like most people in their 20s that they lift more weights than they do anything else. Um, so they're learning the process and the art of lifting and understanding what the body can do. The 30s, you're kind of starting to add more cardio, right? Because you kind of slow down metabolism wise. And so what happens? You You're Okay, I got to add a little more cardio, I'm getting a little more back fat, I got a little more thigh fat, because I'm getting older, my metabolism slowing down, Testosterone's leaving your body. You don't have as high results that way so basically 20s you lift more weights you're, you're kind of peaking right the 30s you do a little maybe a little more cardio with weight training and then the 40s, you're like, okay, my joints are a little more fried because I've worn worn them out during work, working out, whatever it may be. So you switch to more of a basically resistance training, maybe a little more high rep. Maybe you lifted really heavy. Now you're doing like 10, 12 reps lighter, but you're still getting that functional resistance training. Maybe you use more bands and more machines based on instead of free weights and dumbbells. And then as you get older, you keep doing like, maybe you increase your yoga. Maybe you stretch a little bit more. You take a maybe two days off per week instead of, you know, one day off. Maybe you worked out 14 days in a row in your 20s, but now you take a day off, work three days, work out, you know, four days, take a day off. So you switch the way your body recovers. So I feel like every decade you have to switch your body based on how you feel. Got it. So there's really no, there's no blueprint for every human being. It depends on your injuries. It depends on what you're going through. Depends on how your body feels. Right. But All in all, like in your thirties, you start adding the cardio because you want the conditioning of your heart, your lungs to keep that blood pressure down. Risk of diabetes is higher once you hit thirty. The blood pressure, you know, what happens when you know blood pressure elevates? You know, you end up getting you know seizures, whatever it may be. So,
1: yeah, okay. So that's just kind of a good kind of rule of thumb as you as you age to kind of go through those different phases and then course correct as needed based on kind of what. What you're most comfortable with. Correct. Yes. Yeah, definitely every decade. I put your body
0: into a decade form 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s. You're going to have to change something every decade based on how you feel. Yeah. And you should modify it. Right. Like when I hit 40s, you know, I'm 37 now. When I hit 40s, I'll probably start doing a little more higher reps, a little more like conditioning on, you know, start swimming. Might add instead of, you know, six days of weight training, I might go down to four and do two days of yoga instead. Yeah. So it all depends on how you feel, right? But I'm already planning on modifying my stuff as I get older because your joints get fried in life. There's no way around it. We beat up our bodies left and right. So it's got to modify based on how we feel.
1: Well, just to give you guys uh, some information here, Justin uh, does definitely not look 37. This guy looks like he's like still 31, 32. So that's just... just... I'm surprised he didn't say 36, you know? He, he doesn't look 37, <laughs> but 36
0: is a good number You yeah,
1: get got a hard pass. Yeah, you could pass on 36. But, I mean, your your birthday was last month, so.
0: Yeah, it was. So I just turned 37, so. <laughs>
1: You're basically just still 36. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, okay, so his second tip was fitness needs to be combined with weights and resistance training. But we, we kind of went through that already. Um, you know, just focused on maximizing our body's potential, not just on the outside, but the inside too. So, um, that heart, healthy heart, the healthy lungs, um, you know, as you get older with blood pressure, heart disease, diabetes, all things that we just touched on. Um, uh, tip number three, um, fitness needs to be conducted based on your specific needs so not every workout program will be beneficial for every individual so can you expand on that a little bit more yeah it's it's pretty simple Uh, it's short and
0: sweet too the fact that like the program that works for me is not gonna work for you sean overall everybody's got a different blueprint so you need to find what works best for you some people love hit programs like you were talking about you love them right so that works more effective for you i like lifting heavy and adding some hit to my workouts during the week. That's my program and I do, I run or I'll bike or i play basketball. So my blueprint's not gonna be whoever else is on that same blueprint. Right. So focus on what you want to do. You always gotta have those good things and then your goals will come with the right fitness program. Yeah, for sure. And I gotta drink a lot of water cause I got sick, like I got a cold and it started killing my throat. So yeah. it, gets, it gets dry fast, so sorry about the pause. Yeah, no worries. <clears throat> but when you're looking at a fitness program, just because you see someone that's being effective for them doesn't mean it's always going to be great for you. Now, there might be a great program that works well for everybody, and it might only work well for you for a month or two months, and then you have to switch it up. It's not always going to be effective for you, and that's right. when you got to switch and you got to be proactive about it. So, once you see a program not working for you anymore, you need to switch it up.
1: Got it. As for nutrition, everyone needs to maintain at least that healthy balance of 80% healthy foods, 20% junk. But if you want to change your body even more, you to need to go on that 90-10, which is something that we discussed earlier in the episode. Um, is there anything else that you want to expand on there? or No, I'd, I'd say that if you want a general thumb of you know
0: how to keep your body maintaining your weight or if you want to lose weight. And focus on getting rid of the fat mass and building up that muscle. Those ratios are pretty common. If you want to go completely extreme, then you want to cut out all junk food, all alcohol, and see what you can do. Your body's going to change faster than too. Yeah. So it all depends on what you can handle mentally, so you can stay on a specific
1: program. Got it. Um, step five, just like workouts, you need to have a diet plan that fits your needs and ability to stay on track. So finding finding those different diets, those different uh, exercise plans. Um, I think we went over that as well. Anything else you want to cover there? No, I think it's pretty
0: straightforward. Like don't be stuck on one diet. Try another diet. If that doesn't work, you don't enjoy it. Try another one. Find one that you can stay on and stay loyal to. Got it. It's going to benefit you in the future because you can actually see results because you're giving your body a chance to get to those results.
1: Right. Great. Um step number six or tip number six rather, timed eating throughout the day. This is something that I definitely want to know about. What's your what are your recommend recommendations for that kind of stuff?
0: Um so some mornings I'll eat before I go work out. Some mornings I go do cardio. So I'll do like a fasted cardio. So you need to eat based on your training. If you're doing leg day, you're gonna expend a lot more energy than if you're doing shoulders. So you're gonna need a lot more calories in your system before you go do leg day, right? Some people eat half an hour before and they're fine. Some people eat an hour and a half in order for the food to digest and then they're fine. So you need to find those windows of time before you work out. You should never do like a high resistance, heavier resistance training day and expect that no calories is gonna get you good results. Your body needs food, it needs energy. If you don't have that right amount, then you're gonna be screwed later. And that means people get sick faster, they wanna vomit, they get dizzy. If you're dizzy, lightheaded and stuff like that, it's not good for your system. So it's telling you that you didn't have enough food. Your glycemic levels have basically skyrocketed down the opposite direction and you're not doing well. So you need to make sure that you maintain those in order to produce for your muscles, right? So eating the right amount of food, and you got to figure this out. Some people, like I said, a half an hour before, hour and a half before, some people it's 200 calories, some 400 calories. You need to find out what works best for you and it's going to be trial and error. But the rule of thumb, like we were talking about earlier, is the 30 minutes of you know, protein after you work out, you need to make sure that's a staple in your diet. Every time after you work out, cardio or not, weight training or not, softball, basketball, whatever you're doing, you need to have protein within a half an hour.
1: Got it. Okay. That's good to know. Actually, I hadn't thought about that before in terms of replacing with protein after a a regular thing like, you know, doing the softball and stuff like that. I, for whatever reason, had it thought, uh, thought in my head that it was explicitly after a specific workout anything that breaks your body down anything that's you know if you have a
0: chance of being sore tomorrow you you broke down your body right right so you just need to make sure you're focused on it. If you never get sore after softball and you never feel like you're exhausted, then you know what? You probably don't need protein. You're in the
1: outfield uh, picking daisies. That's what... Yeah, I mean, if you're having <laughs> fun sitting down looking for butterflies, I mean, it's good for you. Right, yeah. Um, okay. Um, and then uh, uh, tip number seven here. So the supplements are the key to fitness and diet, and it's called the trifecta for a reason, and they all work well together. And then let's jump into the top five supplements to take. So this is tip number eight, and this is our final tip. So let's let's jump in. Let's
0: go with uh, branch chain amino acids. Uh, let's go with our multivitamin, fish oil, your protein. And then if you want to do a pre-workout, there are some caffeinated. There are some non-caffeinated, depending on your like for caffeine or not. And so the effectiveness of... All those supplements together is general basis anybody can utilize them don't get me wrong if you got some medicines that you're taking you should always check with the doctor before you start taking supplements just to make sure they don't counteract each other but overall if you wanted to start a supplement supplement regimen i would start with those top five just because you can go into any store and buy four hundred dollars worth of supplements and did you get really what you need right those are basic items that your body can utilize whether you're working out or not so if you're not working out, you can still use branched-chain amino acids because you're still probably going to be active. It doesn't matter. Multivitamins key for every day. Fish oil is key for every day, right? Protein. Say you don't get a meal in, you need some protein or you need a snack, you can use protein. Your pre-workout. If you're feeling a little sluggish during the day, you can have a little pre-workout. So. Those things allow you not to spend a lot of money on stuff that you won't end up
1: using again, and they expire, and then you just throw your cash away. So, Got it. So like with the BCAs, I usually take them before my workout. Is, is that usually recommended? Yeah, if you don't
0: drink a lot of water during your workout, I take them before. But if you're drinking enough water during, during your workout, yeah, you can take them during. Oh, okay. Sometimes it's good to put half before and half during.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, because I know with my workouts, I don't have time to drink water during the workout. So... Yeah, I would do them before, so you have it in. Okay, cool. All right. So um, that that pretty much concludes everything. So um, the best places to connect for Justin, uh, if you have any questions, he's more than happy to answer those questions for you. Completely. Okay. Shoot them my way. Yeah. So uh, that's Justin at OnPointNutrition.com, J-U-S-T-I-N, of course, like you'd spell Justin, at onpoint nutrition.com he's also on facebook so you can go find him there um and his instagram is what what's your handle on there yeah on point fitness and nutrition all right so instagram on point fitness and nutrition and so here is the special surprise that i promised for you guys justin is being very generous and offering you the listeners uh 20 off his virtual or online training courses. Um, And if you, uh, if you reach out to him or if you go on his site and sign up for his training, if you use the promo code N E G P 18, he will hook you up with 20% off of some of his training. That's N E G P 18. And again, N E G P 18. Um, And what, what, what's the 20% savings there? Uh, So normally so
0: online virtual training, I make people sign up for a two-month plan is what they need to do in order to be effective. First four weeks is ramping you up for the next four weeks. So you get two different plans, 30 days, basically four to, four weeks, 28 days total on both plans for a total of eight weeks. Normally, I do it for $100 for two months. Nice. Quite a long time to, because you, you have to get to know the client and spend time getting to know them and build the program out from scratch. Nice. Like I was talking about the whole entire time, you're really not having a program built for an individual and then the next individual can utilize it the same way because that person may have knee injuries or they might have a problem with doing certain exercises that you can't have. So you have to build programs based on what people can do. Got it. And so, so $100 for a two-month program, it's actually most most people are charging between $100 to $300 a month for what I do and I'm charging $100 for two months worth, which is key. So.
1: So you get twenty percent off of that. So, um, go get that training. Justin is yep. awesome. He's really good at what he does. Um, and I want to acknowledge you for all the great stuff that you're doing, man, and being such a good friend. I, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. And you got it, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, um, but. Justin's just awesome because he's, he's a terrific leader. Um, he is somebody that's trying to change the supplement industry as it were. Um, his, his motivation is rather humble, but I'm sure it will change quite a few things for the industry. So, um, (laughs) We
0: we will see. Yeah.
1: So, um, Justin's just an amazing guy. A really good dude. If you haven't gotten that by the gist of this podcast interview, then you need to go back and listen again because he's just an amazing guy. Um, and uh, one final question before we close things out. And that is something that I've been asking every guest, which is what is your image saying about you today? My image? We talking clothes? We talking what? Your personal image, like how you show up, how you come to the world.
0: I always look like I, um, didn't put my clothes, like basically, um, <laughs> I look kind of scattered right now. Um, I, I always put together. I'm always in some way or another. My hats and my shoes always match. I never go out of the house, not feeling like I look good. So if I'm in gym, gym clothes or not, I always make sure that like, I feel good. I don't care what other people think. If I feel good, then I'm good. Nice. So what does my image say about me is I walked out of the house this morning feeling good about myself. So awesome. That's all I can care about.
1: I love that answer. All right, man. Well, cool. Thanks again for coming on, brother. You got it, man. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for listening. And I hope you enjoyed this episode of the new inspiration. Extraordinary gentlemen podcast. If you enjoyed the content, give it a like, subscribe, and if you know someone who needs to hear this or wants to hear this, share it with them. Don't hold back. Let them hear it. And if you have any questions for me or my guest, we'd love to answer those questions for you. So shoot me a tweet, DM me on Instagram, leave a comment below on YouTube, or find me on Facebook. If you have Anchor FM, you can message me on my station. The username is at newinspiration, N-U-I-N-S-P, I-R-A-T-I-O-N. And as always, make the rest of today extraordinary, gentlemen.